October 4, 2023, my name is Jaron Jackson, I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Even whenever I get started early and that gets me out of my system and I'm going to bring the heat today, I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait for my normal time. Normally I do this at 11 o'clock in the morning, 11 a.m. Central. I'm sorry I did it early today because uh, I just, I'm provoked. I'm provoked, I'm pissed, I'm ready to rock, I'm ready to destroy, and so that's what we're going to do by God's grace. I want to start off with Proverbs chapter 4. I want to go verse 2 and then verse 19. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 2 and then verse 19. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness, they know not what at, they know not at what they stumble. God's wisdom will direct your path. God's wisdom will provide you with the protection and the provision and where you need to be. I want to talk today, if I can, about the murdering of the American male. Murdering the American male. Now, this one's going to be more specific. It's going to be a lot of heat. There will be graphic uh, videos, so I warn you for that. Uh, and then we're going to talk about this... Um, this corporation trope people are are gathering on and starting to get into their understanding that the government is a corporation and that they have to change their stat and all these things so i'm gonna i'm gonna go directly against several different things today before i do that the best way that you can help me is to go to um patriotswitch.com slash jaren patriotswitch.com slash jaren switch your shopping you're already doing over to an american manufacturing company uh delivered products directly to your door shop from the ease and the comfort of your home uh, and you get to support me in the work that i do here um this is a ministry so it's not a job and it's not a career, it's bringing people the gospel, teaching people the creeds and the beliefs of our forefathers, and Lord willing, equipping the church so that they can do battle spiritually uh, the way that Christ would have them do. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 2. For I give you good doctrine. I give you good doctrine. God gives us good doctrine. He gives us his Bible. His Bible is the good doctrine, and I believe the murdering of the American man begins with bad doctrine. Yesterday, the news of the day, and probably for the foreseeable week, will be the ouster of the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. This dude's a god of comedy. He's a squish. He's a liberal. He's a California. He's a California liberal, and he was touted. This is a book. He was touted with Paul Ryan, Eric Cantor, and, and himself, Kevin McCarthy, as young guns, the new generation of conservative leader. Now, I want to speak to the programming here. This is programming. This is programming because it's showing the young, white, male who's the leader of politics. This is glamorizing political service in Congress. Myself ran for political office three times. Glamorizing political service in government as the height of, uh, what, American masculinity? Is, is the object of what we're supposed to be doing? I mean, growing up in America, I was born in 85, I'm a millennial. Am I to be a Hollywood celebrity? Am I to be a uh, 
professional athlete? Am I to be a politician? What are the aspirant things that my generation, that Americans are told that they need to be? And then whenever you ask the question, what was told to me whenever I was growing up, what was told to you when you were growing up? And what is told to people today as they are growing up? Because the Bible says, for I, God, give you good doctrine, which is teaching. Forsake ye not my law. Don't go away from the Bible. If you go away from the Bible, you've got bad doctrine. If you go away from the Bible, you don't have good teaching. If you go away from the Bible, you don't have God's law. You don't have his wisdom. This right here is glorifying political service. And so whenever uh, and two of those guys, Paul Ryan and McCarthy, were speakers of the House, both of them globalist squishes, both of them anti-American shills, wrapped in the veneer, of the majority man, the white man, the Christian man, the family man, using these stereotypes, using these characteristics of their personality and the factoids of their family to promulgate the ideas that they wouldn't be courageous enough to tell you that they actually believed. McCarthy was ousted, which is, took me by surprise, because he went back on a promise that he made to people in January. Single subject bills, more than 72 or at least 72 hours before voting on something, he went back against those things. So he made a promise, he reneged on the promise, and now because of that, thank God he lost the speakership. But I want to investigate the idea that this is supposed to be the, the aspiration of people to be doing stuff in America. This is what success looks like based on the programming, based on the expectations, based on our cultural value. This is murdering the American man. This is not the American man. This right here, this is not what the American man is supposed to be. These dudes don't have calluses on their hands. These dudes don't know uh, what it's like to do hard work. These guys wear suits, wear ties in air conditioning, and they work around other people to, to compromise and they wheel in the deal. And they spend millions and billions and trillions of dollars that they don't make, that they don't earn, that they don't have the right to tell us what to do. But yet they are doing it. And they've got lawyers and lobbyists and corporatists with all their paws in the cookie jar. All of these uh, ambitions, all of these vices, all of these things are dangerously creeping in through their eyes and through their ears for the key to the mind and pride of the soul. And I don't believe that whenever these men got in politics, they believed as they do now. I believe that whenever they got into politics, the corruption of the world got their heart, took them away from whatever foundational belief that they had, and secured them in the pocket of the devil to where they would present themselves as majority ideas, white, male, Christian, family, conservative. They would present these popular conservative notions, but they sure as hell would sell them down the river if it meant personal aggrandizement, professional promotion, or some type of benefit that we don't know about. Don't you not think that their portfolio didn't grow because they went into public service? Do you think these dudes are worth a lot of money because they got elected to Congress because that's what public service does? Or do you think that these dudes made a lot of money because whenever they were in public office, they privileged themselves to the opportunities for vice and, and subterfuge that were there? 
because that's what abounds. Because in Proverbs 4, 2, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. When you understand the common law, when you understand the Constitution, when you look at your oath to the, to the Constitution, you recognize that is not an instance where you're going to go to public orifice and get a bazillion dollars by wearing a suit in Washington, D.C. in an air conditioning, pushing a button to vote on a bill that you did not write and you did not read. But yet that's what's happening. And the way that I want to characterize this is that this is the murdering of the American man. I'm going to singularly laser focus on men, not women. So don't, if you're a woman, don't take offense. If you take offense, it's because you're a woman. Don't take offense. The American man has been murdered. Murdered. And I'm going to show a video later today. Later uh, in this program. It's going to be vicious. It is bad. But it represents the weakness that men have been trained. It represents the emotionalism that men are no longer using their strength, which is their glory, by the way. The, the strength of men is their glory. God gave us muscles. He gave us the mass. He gave us the ability to move dirt and rock and men and to build things, to destroy bad, to build good, and to defend what is vulnerable, to, to put ourselves in an intercessory position for the weak and the vulnerable. And I believe that that's what God is doing now to remind men that we may have to die for his glory. And when we learn that lesson, by God's grace, we are going to be hammering evil, hammering them. And that's not something we do. But this right here is the political aspiration of America. This right here is what Americans believe is the power. This is not the power. All three of these dudes, I mean, what was his face? Eric Cantor was beaten by um, uh, some college teacher. Um... Some, some guy uh, that was a member of the Freedom Caucus. He was beaten by some guy in the member of the Freedom Caucus. Kevin McCarthy just lost his speakership last night. That dude's gone. And freaking Paul Ryan, he was ousted, and now he's a member of Fox News, and you see what the direction that's going. The murdering of the American man begins with the fact that the men have taken their eyes off God. The Bible says, For I give you good doctrine, forsaking not my law. Verse 19. For, for, uh, chapter 4, verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. They're walking around tripping over stuff and they don't even know what the hell is going on because they ain't got no wisdom. Bunch of blind darkness going on. And because people forget God's law, they stumble and they blow up in everything. And that's the same thing. Vivek Ramaswamy is a Harvard grad. He's a classmate of my wife and he is running for president. I don't necessarily trust him because I know his background. He's also not a Christian, but he's pointing out the fact that there is bias to the way that we select things. He's talking about last week's RNC debate was a disgrace and I'm starting to believe that by design. Bingo, Vivek. Bingo. The godless commies are picking and choosing what you see. That's step one in controlling the mind. Instead of people reading their Bibles to let God's word enter into their brains, to wash them over and to change their hearts, instead of reading the Bible, we're looking to politics. We believe the Kevin McCarthy's, the Eric Cantor's, the Paul Ryan's, the John Boehner's, the Nancy Pelosi's, the AOC's, we believe the people in politics are the ones with the power. And that's where it starts. We believe that, that, we believe that because people in office have the power 
people wanting their world to be good and to be favorable and to, to even serve other people. They start with the premise that the power is in government. And by starting with the premise the power is in government, government now becomes the idol. You've exchanged God in his rightful place, Christ is king on the throne, according to what the Bible teaches, for government. Now you've exchanged this idol. This idol is now what people pursue. And as people pursue this idol and worship this idol, this idol will have its own rules. And this idol's rules is that if you are a young upstart like Vivek, and you start going against the system, you can't be tolerated. This is what made tr President Trump an anomaly. This is what made President Trump, I believe, proof that God was using him because this system that Vivek is complaining about, righteously so, I think he's correct here, they don't want Vivek's voice, his perspective, they don't want someone like him getting out because he's got more charisma. He's certainly better talking uh, than Governor Christie or, or anybody else. And so instead of, you know, allowing open dot, and so he is, I believe, you can read it on the screen, I believe he is rightfully complaining about what is correct. He says here, the establishment was hell-bent on taking down Trump, now they're hell-bent on propping up their favorite puppets, we won't let them get away with it. Now first, you can characterize them as puppets, which, which implies that someone's behind the curtain, right? The, the whole Wizard of Oz thing, and I generally agree with that. I recognize there's no remedy there. When he says, we won't let them get away with it, what are you going to do? What's the recourse? Because if you're pursuing the same idol, which is government, because that's where you think that the power is, if you accept the premise, you lose the debate. If you believe that government is where the power is, and you are trying to get their power in government, you play by their system, their rules, and when you tell us, quote, we won't let them get away with it, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Tweet? complain tell people we're not going to let people get away with this you're not going to get away with this well what does that mean what is it specifically that you're going to do this is why i look back to the fundamental law this is why i looked at the constitution this is why i look first and foremost to the bible and and this is maybe this is uh maybe i'm not able to thread this needle but the murdering of the american man begins with man not declaring the truth of god if man declares not the truth, then man is not declaring the truth. If the truth is God, according to God's word, remember Proverbs 4 verse 2, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Don't forget the Bible. Don't get away from the Bible. Don't get away from what God says. As soon as you get away from what God says, you're toast. And if we have these stupid young guns, if we've got this position where this is the power and this is the idol, then the, then the whole implication is that not God, government, is the idol. That's now the God. That's now where, we're, where, where, where we are pursuing. And because that's where we are pursuing, the murdering of the American man is not indicting that. Not calling the idol the idol. Not saying that God is God and the Bible is his word. When we don't do that, when men don't do that, they are murdering themselves. They are destroying themselves. And America used to be a nation where we would say that God is God. 
We would, we would say that the Almighty is the Almighty. We would say that Christ is King, His Bible is true, the Gospel is the only way to salvation. We would say that. We wrote that. We preached that. We lived that. We don't do that. What we do, and I agree with this politically, we complain. We bitch. We moan. We're not going to let you get away with that. Well, what the hell are you going to do about it, Vivek? You're richer than me. You're more calm and cool and collected than I am, for sure. Better spoken, more connections. But what are you going to do about it? Nothing. I want to connect you to ideas where people speak truth. Pakistan, after a suicide bombing, has ordered that all illegals, all illegal immigrants will leave. You got 28 days. If you are an Afghan in Pakistan, you got 28 days to get out of the country. Now, of course, the connection I'm making here is that the very bold truth. If you're illegal, you don't, you have no right to be there. That's the truth. No emotion of um, refugee, no emotion of, well, but I lost my family in the war and all this, shoot, no emotion. Do you belong here? No, get out, get out. That's a truthful statement. That, that is a masculine man, strong position to say, get out of my home. You do not belong here. You came here illegally and now you're expecting to stay and the more of you that there are, the worse it is for my people, get out. Get out. That is a strong position. That is a truth position. I want to play for you a video of the leader of Hungary. He's going to speak in Hungarian, so he ain't speaking American. So go ahead and read the screen. We'll comment after. Go ahead. Soros birodalom, a brüsszeli bürokraták és az amerikai demokraták csupa olyasmit akarnak tőlünk, amit mi nem tudunk, és azt hiszem nem is akarunk megadni neki. Az amerikai adminisztráció továbbra is azt akarja, mi is szálljunk be a háborúba, szállítsunk fegyvert, adjunk még több pénzt Ukrajnának, de legalábbis járuljunk hozzá, hogy Brüsszel a mi pénzünket odaadhassa nekik. Brüsszel azt akarja, hogy engedjük be a migránsokat, és építsünk nekik migráns gettókat. Engedjük be a szexuális propagandát az iskolába, engedjük át nekik gazdasági döntési jogköröket, és ráadásul mondjuk le az önálló külpolitikáról, és adjuk fel az egyhangú döntés jogát a külpolitikai kérdésekben. Azzal fenyegetnek, ha mindezt nem tesszük, akkor folyamatos nyomást gyakorolnak majd ránk, visszatartják a brüsszeli pénzeket, és a soros birodalom pénztárán keresztül fizetni fogják a magyar baloldalt, vagyis a magyar kormány belföldi ellenfeleit. Mit válaszolhatunk erre? Először is azt, hogy Magyarország nem tartozik a Javor országok klubjába, akik ha telefont kapnak Brüsszelből, csak annyit válaszolnak Javor. Másodszor azt mondhatjuk, hogy Magyarország nem engedheti, hogy bárki korlátozza függetlenségét és szuverenitását. Nem csak a józan ész, 
Nem csak a történelmi tapasztalatok miatt, de azért sem, mert a magyar alaptörvény egyszerűen nem engedi, sőt, határozottan tétek. I appreciate the people who uh, took the time to tell me that my audio was wrong. Uh, I think I found the problem. Switched stuff, reconstituted things, and I hope that works. Let me check that real fast. I apologize for the uh, distraction, but uh, I need to make sure that it works. This is me. This is watching myself. This is me watching myself live. So I'm ahead of this right now. So let's see if it works. And already the audio, the echo is gone. Yep. Okay. All right. It works. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Now let's get back to it. What Hungary, Hungarian president is talking about is the fact that he doesn't care about what the world thinks about him. He doesn't care about what the world's policies and the globalist policies, the nation destroying policies. He does not care about how they impact. Now, if you're an American, isn't that good to see? Isn't it good to see that there's a nation that cares more about itself than not itself? I appreciate the fact that Hungary cares about Hungary more than Hungary cares about America. I appreciate that Hungary is going to prevent non-Hungarians coming to Hungary to benefit Hungarians before non-Hungarians. I think that is a good idea. I think that is a truthful idea. I think that's a loving idea. Remember, verse 19 and verse in chapter 4, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. The wicked stumble because they are in darkness. This means that they don't make smart decisions. They don't make wise decisions. And when calamity happens, they know not what is causing the reason why it's happening. Now, you could argue the Clavid Piven strategy, the Cloward Piven strategy, where you destabilize a nation through mass migration, which I believe is true. You could talk about the fact that there is a white replacement or a population replacement, a demographic, a purposeful demographic change going on. I believe that is true. If it's not intentional, it is absolutely happening because every day that more non-Americans come into America than Americans are birthing more Americans, you have literally a demographic shift. And if Americans who don't believe the Bible are butchering the babies in their womb while the borders are open so non-Americans come in, you have the murdering of the American. You have the murdering of America. Now remember, murdering the American man begins when the American man doesn't declare the truth of God. It begins when we look to not the Bible, and it continues as we stumble around in darkness. One of the characteristics of this is that we look at the politics, and we say that this is where the power is. We say that this is where things are. But one of the fruits, one of the bad, rotten fruits of the murdered American man is the fact that common sense ideas are no longer connected. What you teach in the classroom today, you see lived out in the culture tomorrow. The raising and the disciplining of our children, the diligent devotion to God's scriptures, teaching them what God says, has an impact. And it does not happen anymore. Christians have allowed themselves to be called bigoted. Christians have allowed themselves to, to believe this, this notion of grace that is so cheap 
that it doesn't require any obedience. No obedience is required. You can just believe, you can just believe something and you're good to go. But if your belief doesn't actually lead to anything that shows that you believe, do you actually believe? Or do you believe something that wasn't taught? Did Christ die on the cross and raise physically from the grave so that you could merely believe in him and not do anything? Or are you supposed to do stuff because now that you see him as your king, your whole life is his. And everything that you have is for his glory. See, one way is the traditional Christian way, the biblical way, the, the correct way. Not that you have to do stuff to earn salvation, but that your salvation is demonstrated through the fact that you do stuff. And if you don't do stuff, it's like, what Christ do you believe in? What gospel do you think saves you? Do you think the gospel that saves you is this one that's cheap? You can just swipe the credit card and say, we're good to go. We can do whatever we want. We can fornicate. We can watch porn. We can do all these types of things. We can be indulgent and let the world burn because I'm about to check up out of here. I'm about to get escaped. And as I get escaped, I don't care that the babies are butchered. I don't care that the borders are open. I don't care that the profligate, corrupt um, Christian people using Christ's name are in public office doing all sorts of stuff that's against the law. But we're not going to speak to that because you know what? There's a separation in church and state. Christ didn't die. The thinking would go. The bad thinking goes. Christ didn't die for that government. Christ didn't die for that nation. Christ didn't die for that mountain. Christ didn't die for that ocean. He died for all of it. It is all his. All of it is his. And it's the separating of Christianity and, and Christ is king from everything else that has gotten us to where we are. That is the murdered American man. That power is in government, which is an idol. And so our aspirations are to try to get in a position of power. And if that means I got to wheel and deal, if that means I got to close my eyes while some abortions happen, amen, I'll do that so I can get that position. If that means that I get to be able to line my pockets with a duplicitous business deal with some bad actors and some shell corporations, because you know what, you know, I'm going to pad my pocket, but you know, the American working man, screw him. We're going to jack up his interest rates. We're going to export his manufacturing overseas to where he can't pay for his family. He's becoming more destitute to where he has to be out of the home more. And whenever the man and the husband and the father is out of the home more, now that family is fractured. Now that family is frayed. It's anemic from cancerous absence of fathers. And we're going to get fathers out of the home. And as we do that, we're going to weaken the American family. And as we weaken the American family, the politicians are going to get more powerful, more uh, consolidated power. And that's where we just crush them. We crush the American spirit. And this is where I want to offer the, uh, the, the contrary point of view. The contrary point of view is that the Bible is going to answer this. God has already spoken to this. God has said something very profound that will offend you. And we're going to get to that, but I got to set it up first. I have to set it up first. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're almost there. The next thing I want to do is I want to play this video from Patrick B David. He's a uh, Egyptian Christian veteran, I think of the army. He's got an emergingly influential podcast, and he had a guest on recently where he juxtaposed. Well, I'll, I'll just let you watch it. Watch this, and we'll do some commentary after. Would you rather have your kids have to learn about God 
and pray every morning and to pledge allegiance to the flag? Or would you take God out of school and add, they have to learn about what it is to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, trans. Which of those two would you want your kids to learn about and you have to give up the other one? Right? I don't know, man. Okay. I don't. So I, that's a yeah. problem. Who converted you into getting a real estate license? Saw a TV commercial for a million dollar listing. And you yeah. were influenced to be a realtor. You weren't born with wanting to be a realtor. Correct. Bingo. Yeah. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. Stats came out that shows which generation is the gayest generation of all. Traditionalist, 0.8% of our gay. Boomers, 2.6%. You know what percentage of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ? 21%. They're being influenced just like you were influenced to be a realtor. So the fact that you cannot tell the two apart, that means you're not really putting a lot of thought into what's going to influence who. Yeah, that's a so I agree. That's a level of truth that people need to be saying. But that's truth. That's the American man, in this case, an immigrant. That's an immigrant who's an American telling the truth about what's going on, making the connection between behavior and education. What you're trained, what you're disciplined, how you are raised, what you are told to fear, what you are taught to fear and put into practice is how you will um is it's, it's how you will live. And so the demonic destruction of God's order is what is industrialized and inculcated in America. Not God is common. God is rare in America. So much that you can look at social media. Here is a post from multiple women. You can see this God hates flags First starts off, and I, I left the things you can see it. Says something that confuses me about prison abolitionists is how most tend to huff and puff when people bringing up rapists like it's some extreme rare edge case. Rape happens routinely in every country, and he goes on to say other things. This guy's perspective, I believe it's a man, who knows, but this person's perspective is talking about the fact that prison happens because people do wrong. People do wrong, they need to be punished. This is true. Consequences. But then you have a woman, Kate Willett, says, Sexual assault victim here. I really wish people would stop using a terrible thing that happened to me to put a million people in a cage. First of all, this is hyperbole. Which is fine, as long as we understand that whenever you're using hyperbole for a serious point, you kind of discredit your point. I'm not going to focus on the fact that it's a woman making it. I will say that if it's someone who's a sexual assault victim, the sense of justice, let's just assume it's true. Let's assume Kate Willett actually is a sexual assault victim. But her sense of justice is such that the consequence that happens to the person who raped her shouldn't be used to justify doing punishments and bad things to other people. Well, what if a million people raped a million different other people? Should the million rapists be punished? Answer, yes. And if one woman, heaven forbid, gets raped by a rapist, if that one woman who was raped turns around and says, I don't want other people to be punished just because bad things happen to me, our society seems to value that emotional, godless, weak perspective. And this will only encourage more raping. It will only encourage more evil. 
when you do not punish evil, when you do not overcome evil with good, when you do not declare what's true, when men do not use their strength to fight for God's order, to establish it firmly, you get more lawlessness. You get more weakness. You get more ravaging and weight raping of women. And the bad thing is there are women who agree with her. Tana, Tana, Ganiva says, right? I actively tried to get my attacker no prison time. He went into a program instead of prison. I'm proud of that. This is peak feminism. This is actually putting our women in incredibly vulnerable and dangerous positions. It is increasing lawlessness. And whenever you track it with the fact that now government is an idol, if you see the people in government power or in positions of influence who can manipulate and buy off people in positions of power, then you're no longer using the Bible to tell you what to think. You're now using the positions of power to make decisions, often arbitrary, and usually always tied to some type of agenda. So if there's people that want to destroy America, the one of the ways that they would destroy America is to get men to not preach the truth about Jesus. And if men don't preach the truth about Jesus, you destroy and diminish, demote the man. You destroy fray and, and, and make feeble the family. Where the family is no longer teaching the diligent scriptures to their children, they're now sending them off to public education to learn about twerking fornicators. And as they do that, you're raising an entire generation of people that are probably going to be sodomites because they've been shown that that's what's affable, that's what's likable, that's what's wanted. And that's just evil. And as a result, you're going to have individuals like these women that whenever bad things happen to them, they don't want justice. What they want is some type of mealy-mouthed, spineless encouragement of further lawlessness. And it's going to be wrapped in this moral whole cloth of, well, I don't want that to happen to my accuser. No. Send them to the higher court. The higher court being that of God. If you rape a woman, you should be put to death after trial by jury and due process of law. Amen. Rapists are thrusting themselves physically upon another person. They're violating someone else's liberty, someone else's autonomy. And by doing that, after justice is declared and the law is declared and the evidence matches up with it, in my view, they have earned the deprivation of their life. They've earned it. They chose to do stuff. And justice must be swift, it must be severe, it must be decisive. But even saying this is going to get me in trouble. I want to play for you a video that is incredibly graphic. I will probably stop it right before it gets to the spot. But this is a video of a man named Ryan Carson. Ryan Carson was sitting on a bus stop bench with his girlfriend. A dude walks by, stuff ensues, and Ryan Carson is stabbed to death. I will stop it right when it gets graphic so you don't see it, and I'll explain the rest of it, but watch this.
This is the last moments of this man's life. Now, the guy, the black dude with the knife, stabs Ryan two or three times while he's on the ground. Then he comes back and he kicks him. And you've got Ryan's girlfriend in the blue dress just standing there. Now, I'm not holding anything against her. She's a woman. This ain't her fight. It would be nice if she were participating, like doing some type of two-on-one type of thing. But at the very end of this video, if I let it continue, there's a woman off camera to the bottom right. And she starts apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the woman in the blue dress, the girlfriend, is standing over Ryan Carson. And she's saying, go watch the guy. She tells, the blue dress tells the other lady, go watch the guy who just stabbed him. None of them actually apply pressure. None of them try to stop the bleeding. None of them try to give any first-hand remedy. Now, I don't actually throw them under the bus because if you're in this position, if you've never been in a lethal kinetic extremist situation, then you probably are in shock and you doubt what's going on. I would say that there's probably a level of desensitization that our culture has that we've been programmed to just kind of watch this stuff. And so whenever it happens, we're like, whoa, this is actually happening, and we don't know what's going there. So I'm going to actually give grace to the fact that the programming has made it to where we don't know what to do in these types of extreme situations. But that's only because the programming has happened to where we don't value human life. When the dude is kicking the trash cans, which first of all, why is he kicking trash cans? Why is he destroying property? Why is he so crazy? and mentally ill and murderous. You recognize how he went from kicking trash cans against cars to calling out the dude in the suit saying, what you looking at? What you looking at, bro? And then attacks him with a knife? Get out of the cities. Carry a gun. When someone has a weapon, they brandish it and they're approaching you, leave. Don't turn your back to them, but certainly retreat if you don't have a weapon. Even if you do have a weapon, Pull the weapon. Retreat with the weapon. Tell the guy to not do something to de-escalate stuff. And then if they get into your position and they threaten you and you are in a position of imminent harm, hear me. Defend yourself. This man did not have a weapon. He was not ready to defend his, his girl. He was not ready to defend himself. He was telling the guy, chill. This is because, and if you do the investigation, you look to, to this, who this guy is, Ryan Carson is a political liberal. He's a social justice supporter. He's a Black Lives Matter guy. He might be a member of, he might have been a member of Antifa. This man's brain believed wrong things. Proverbs 4, verse 2, For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Ryan Carson has grown up with a worldview and been taught a worldview that is not based on Christ. And because his worldview is not based on Christ, that led to directly to him being out at 3.50 in the morning with his girlfriend, not having the opportunity to defend her. And whenever he did see something, it was as though his political beliefs biased him against the seriousness of the issue. The dude is yelling, destroying, I would have walked away. 
why are you going to try to correct a dude in a hoodie with a knife at 3.50 in the morning who's kicking trash cans up against a car? Leave. Go the other way. And if you do correct, because you're that good Samaritan, have a gun. Have a firearm to defend yourself and the woman with you. This right here is literally murdering the American man. That black dude stabbed that white dude with a knife dead. And that white dude died on that street. He died, well, they declared him dead at the hospital, but he's dead. And this is belief systems. This is the evil thug who murdered him, who did not have someone good who recognized the law, self-defense, force, protection, value of life. And as a result of, of Ryan Carson not valuing his life, his girl's life, and not understanding that someone with a knife is a legitimate threat, imminent danger, because of his worldview, because of his politics, because of his, his philosophy that's been inculcated by a God-hating spirit and education system in America, he's dead. The dude is dead. And that's wrong. I, I pray that he knew Jesus. I don't think that he did. Not because of you know his political beliefs but certainly that's a downflow that's a down that's a that's a that's a flow downward and this is this is these are the hard conversations where you need to understand that our society is no longer a christian society it is no longer a time when you can trust anybody you need to defend yourself at all times and that's not antichrist we're going to talk to this in a second it is not wrong for you, you for you to use the rights God has given you for his glory. That includes, if you're a dude, you may have to use force. You may have to defend yourself. You may have to defend your family. And I want to speak to that if I could. I want to bring up Psalm chapter uh, 44. And if we can, let's read. And then we're going to talk about the corporation here probably in the next 5-10 minutes. But hold on, let's, let's read the Bible real fast. So this is Psalm chapter 44. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days and times of old. So people have heard what God's done, how thou didst drive out the heathen. God drove out the heathen with his hand. He plants them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. God kicks out, not his people. He drives them out with his hand. God does that. That's what God does. For they got not the land in possession by their sword, neither did their arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. When God favors you, he will bless you. You don't do it by your arm. You don't do it by your sword. He does it. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Amen. Through thee... Through thee, will, though, uh, through thee will push down our enemies. God will push down your enemies. Through thy name, we will tread them under that rise up against them. Amen. We will tread. We always participate with God. We always do it. But it's always God does it. So God will destroy the enemies. He'll push out the heathens. He'll strike them down. And he will do that with us participating Him, with him. But it's not us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall let my sword save me. That's simple. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and has put us to shame that hated us. 
Our enemies hate us. They oppress us. They tyrannize us. They educate us wrongly. They get us distracted. They think that the power is in government, therefore we need to be a young gun. We need to be a political liberal to believe in Black Lives Matter. We need to be able to say that everyone can be just one big hodgepodge, that multiculturalism is a great thing. We believe in all these things because we don't believe in God. In God we boast all day long and praise thy name forever. And in Selah means peace. But opposite, thou hast cast off and put us to shame. God has thrown us out and shames us. Why? And goes not forth with our armies. Notice, notice that God's people were used to going out with their armies. These armies had swords. These armies were a bunch of dudes ready for battle. These guys were willing to use violence and force in order to accomplish their objectives. And they were used to doing it. But now they're saying God doesn't go with us. So God doesn't go forth with our armies. Why? Thou makest us turn back from the enemy, and they, and they which hate us spoil for themselves. So now that God is not going out with the armies, the enemies of God's people are, are shaming them, turning them back. Thou sellest thy people for naught. You sell us for basically nothing. We're cheap. And dost not increase thy wealth by their price. God doesn't profit himself by punishing his people or selling them down the river. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, so we're going to be something that they laugh at, a scorn and a derision to them that are around us. Our enemies will laugh at us because we're stupid. Thou makest us a byword. We're going to be a curse word amongst the heathen, a shaking of the head among the people. People are going to hear us, hear about us, and be like, yeah, we pity the fool. They're, you know, we curse at them. We spit at their feet, right? My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. For the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemous by reason of the enemy and avenger. People are going to come against us who hate God, literally blaspheme his name. They're literally cursing him. And these are the people that are coming to us and are conquering us. All this has come upon us. Yet have we not forgotten thee. Neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. This means that even when bad stuff happens, physical bad stuff, spiritual bad stuff, emotional bad stuff, financial bad stuff, we are not going to forget God. We are not going to go away from his covenant. We are not going to go away from his law. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. Though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death. If we have forgotten the name of the Lord or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. And therein lies the solution, folks. God knows what the secrets of our heart are. And if the secrets of your heart are for him, he will treat you as though you are his. He will bless you. If the secrets of your heart are not for him, he will know it. He will know it. Yea, for thy sake we are killed all day long and are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now this is where I really want to focus. God will, God will do this. God will put us in a position for us to be slaughtered all day long for his glory. Awakest, why thou sleep, O Lord? Arise, cast us not forever. Wherefore hidest thou face, and forgettest forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth to the earth. This is humility. When we get low, and we are humbling ourselves towards him. Arise for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Amen. This transitions, and we'll get into um, Romans 8 real fast. I showed that 
because God will afflict his people. And in our affliction, we are to turn back to him. If the government that is made an idol is being used to afflict us and they are killing us, they are terrorizing us, we're getting stabbed in the streets, our kids are being perverted, the public schools are bad, the politicians are corrupt, and all these things are bad, forget not God's name. Don't go against his covenant. Don't go against Christ. And when that happens, look at what God says. Romans 8, 28 and 39. And we know that all things work together for good, for good to them that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. God has always had a plan for people to be in Christ, for people to be called out as Christ uh, showed. When it says here, Christ is the firstborn among many brethren, it doesn't mean that Christ is born like he was created. It means that Christ as God was going to show the way that he is the chief. He is the way. He is the leader. He is the maker above all other things. And they're going to count everybody who follows him as his brother. Folks, this is high, high, high blessing, high praise, high glory that we do not deserve, that God is giving us, and he's known it, that he's going to be doing it before he ever started anything. What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God loved us so much that he gave his son on the cross, how would he not give us all things who are in him? If we follow Christ, if we are in Christ, God's going to give us so much blessing. Because, and we know this because he didn't even spare his own son. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. This is the government. This is whenever the government or the tyrants or whomever is coming after you. You need to answer the, ask the question, who lay anything against the charge of God's elect? Who goes against God's people? It's God that does the stuff. God does stuff. Who is it that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. God does stuff in ways the world doesn't understand. The world doesn't understand Christ's wisdom because they don't look to Christ. We, as people who follow Christ, the ones that are predestinated, though the elect, the people that, the, the, the folks that are following Christ, as God always knew people who would follow Christ are now doing, he's going to work through us and now he's working through us. There's nothing that's going to stand in our way. Nothing stands in your way. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, and this is what we quoted from Psalm 44. For thy sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for thy slaughter. Now for the longest time, this throws me for a loop. Because I'm sitting here going, how can I be slaughtered for the glory of God? And then I recognize that this is quoted from Psalm 22, or excuse me, Psalm 44, 22. And Psalm 44 is about people who have not done what Christ, or not done what God has wanted them to do. Remember, these are people that whenever they went out with their armies... Right? When they went out with their armies, they didn't go out with God in their hearts. Now they say that, you know, God, we haven't, you know, we've, uh, they, they say, God, we've, we've kept your commandments. We've, we've kept you in focus. 
But this is this this when when God goes out with your army, you're going to just, you're going to win. When God's not with your army, you go out on your own. You're going out for your own name. You're going out for your own sake. And this is why God knows the secrets of the heart. This means you can do stuff. And on the surface, it looks like you're doing stuff for God. But if your heart is not actually for God, then it doesn't matter what the surface looks like. And in our world today, the murdering of the American man, we've taken the idol of government and we've displaced God. As a result of it, we have a bad understanding of power. We have a bad understanding of education, of family, of love, of marriage, of truth, where we're not going to say what's true. As a result of that, we have a bad heart for God, which is to say we don't have a heart for God. And you see the rest of 44 speaks about how they cleave to the dust. This is humility, folks. And so whenever he's writing, when Paul's writing in Romans 8, he's saying, listen, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for his slaughter. God will do to us whatever he wants to do to us. And if our heart is not for him, what do you think he's going to be doing for us? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, the way that I make a connection to this, my connection to this, is that if your world is so bad, if the tyranny is so bad, if the oppression is so bad, if the kids being perverted is so bad, if the de-dollarization is so bad, if the open borders are so bad, if the corrupt politicians are so bad, you need to get your heart ready to physically die to glorify Christ. Because if, if, if you're looking at the world and all the power structures, remember, we go back to the young guns. Remember, we go back to the young guns. These dudes, these dudes right here, this is supposed to be the epitome of power. This is supposed to be what we aspire to. This is supposed to be the way that power is structured in the world. And as a result of this, if this is your thinking, repent and get ready to physically die. And it's when you get ready to physically die and your heart is ready for to give your life to Christ, that is whenever your belly is cleaving to the ground. That is whenever you're low. That's whenever you're ready to serve God. And when now that you're ready to serve God and you're remembering him, that's when he will move. That's when he will use the use that's when he will use you for victory. And as long as your heart is humble towards him, as long as your posture is humble towards him, you will conquer. The victory is yours. But the murdering of the American man has happened because the American man does not want to die. Because the American man doesn't want to die, he looks to government as the idol that can save him. And if government is the idol that can save him, you get politics where you don't get men fighting evil. You don't get men defending their woman. You get men crashing trash cans up against cars, wielding knives at 4 o'clock in the morning, stabbing other dudes. That's not a Christian nation. That is a nation that's heathen. That is a nation that's godless and lawless. And until men are ready to physically die for God's glory, you don't get anything change. No change. Nothing will change. Because you're too busy, you're too focused on holding on to your life. You'll just back away from the problems. I believe the wisdom of God is that whenever you are ready to physically die for Him, if that's what He wants, 
God, if you want me, take me. Physically kill me for your glory. When you get there in your heart, when you are at that point in your heart, that's when that's now whenever he starts to move. That's whenever he, you start to destroy the big massive things. I think that's where we're at. I think that's what the Oliver Anthony Richmond North of Richmond lamentation is speaking to. It's speaking to a condemnation of our system. It's repudiating the way that things are right now, which is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be condemning the evil by the, by God's standard, which is the Bible. And when we use God's standard, the Bible, we'll see when stuff sucks. And I want to speak to something, if I can. This notion of people that are searching for um, remedy, solutions, people correcting their status. There's a video I'm going to play. It's about two minutes long. It's Tucker Carlson with Victor Davis Hanson. And it's under underneath this video, it's the graphic of the corporation. And people, this, I'll say this simply, all government is always a corporation. All government has always been a corporation. Corporation only means a gathering of bodies, a group of bodies. That's it. And because Americans haven't been taught that, when Americans hear corporation, they give their knowledge away to whoever is telling them about it. So instead of, hear me, instead of being a Berean and reading the Bible and proving all things and holding fast that which is good and saying it is written, you don't see it written. You hear it told to you. And the people telling you these things aren't actually showing you where this stuff is written. So I want to play this video and we'll just take it apart. Go ahead. Our, our current system, we turn to Victor Davis Hanson who joins us now. Professor, thank you very much for joining us. Thank so, you for having me, Tucker. Before we get into the details of the legal assault on Trump, which in my view isn't really about Trump, tell us what you think is at stake here. What's the overview? Well, I think they've come to the conclusion that Trump represented an existential threat and by association, all half the country did to their vision of what they want to transform us into. And so they feel that any means necessary uh, are justified by their noble spiritual ends. And therefore, they call it critical legal theory, just essentially Tucker says, there's rules against stealing only because rich people don't steal, and therefore it's okay to steal. And monetar modern monetary theory says print as much money and eventually rich people will have to pay higher taxes or have their 401ks appropriated. Same thing with the border. Uh, short term, everybody's mad at the border, but in dark rooms, they're saying to each other, in 10 years, everybody's going to appreciate what we did. We brought in 10 to 15 million new constituents. So, and I guess to put it all together, they feel that they're at a stage now where their agenda does not appeal to 51% of the people, and they either have to bring in new constituencies or change the system, the entire system of which we are acculturated to, to retain power, and that's what they're willing to do. And uh, there's no such thing anymore as theft or, or lies or any of these things uh, because they're just constructs and they're just anything that's useful to gain power is considered legitimate and anything that's not uh, useful is illegitimate. And that's how they define morality. And I think we're, we're very naive, Tucker. We don't realize that we're in the middle of a revolution. 
we think that we're still playing within the same sidelines or parameters, and it's not. Everything's under negotiation, whether it's the Senate filibuster, the Electoral College, new states coming in, the size of the Supreme Court, voting IDs, uh, the genders, the foundational data of the United States, pronoun usage from the trivial to the existential, we're in the middle of a cultural, economic, political. Yeah, uh, I generally agree. And you see the graphics on the page. I'll leave them up as I talk about them. You see this, this bifurcation, the splitting into two. The splitting into two is the laws, the deception. And this is where there is even deception in this graphic. And this is why one of the ways that you know what the truth is, is you study what the truth is. And whenever you study the truth, you will be able to identify the deception. Even if the deception is nuanced and incredibly, incredibly sophisticated, you'll be able to declare it. Second Corinthians speaks about the devil presenting himself as an angel of light. Well, think about the truth in that. The truth is that the devil would know that people would want good things. They would have a bias, which would mean the devil would know what people want. And if the devil knows what people want, he would present himself and his solutions in ways that people would appreciate it. So whenever you go around and trying to talk about what the devil is doing or what evil is doing, understand that by characterizing it as evil, you are automatically presenting yourself in the negative. You're saying that something is wrong. And by saying that something is wrong, what if that goes against what people want in their bias? What if that goes against what people consider to be right? And that's actually some of the cleverness and, and the, the intelligence of, 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 of Satan. Satan is so smart understanding man's nature that he will get you focused on what you want instead of what God wants. And as soon as he gets your foundation as your preference, your bias, your wants and your ambitions, he's got you. Regardless if you know you're a member of the Red Shoe Freemason baby rape, you know it doesn't matter how evil you know quote unquote you are. As soon as you are not focused on God, He's got you. It is that simple. And this is why this graphic it shows there's two different comparisons, but already the graphic is lying to you. The graphic is lying to you because the graphic should say there is only truth. And only educate the truth. Only use the Bibles. And in government, in America, only use the Constitution, the fundamental laws, the maxims. Only speak to the truth. When you know the truth, it will set you free because you will not be in submission to what's wrong, to what's a lie, to the deception. And so putting up this graphic is presenting information visually to the Western mind that has been programmed to include a Hegelian dialectic in its processing. Christ's standard is Christ or not Christ. His standard is the Bible. Uh, John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. When you look at this graphic and you're seeing the deception on the lower left, the laws in the upper right, and then it says, uh, bottom right, our greatest power is choice. Our greatest power is not choice. Understand that that's not a power. That's, that's not what the Bible says. That's not true. And so if you're looking at this graphic and it's saying that our greatest power is choice, 
who is the one with the greatest power? People. But people don't have the greatest power. This is not our greatest power. Romans 1 says the gospel is God's power to salvation. When you are born again, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Romans 12 says, be not conformed to this world, but by the renewing of your minds, according to Jesus Christ. This graphic is a lie. It's a lie, but it feels good to people who see the oppression from these globalists. So you see the evil that's happening. You hear the evil that's happening. You've got explainers like Victor Davis Hanson or other people on the internet. And these people will explain to you and use words and constructs and ideas and framings so that you can start to see the enemy as the bad guy. You can start to see the... You know, Klaus Schwab's. You can start to see the devil with the pitchfork. You can start to see this stuff. And that way you now have a framework in your head to say that this is wrong. The reason why that sets you up for, for deceit is because it doesn't focus you laser focused on Christ. Because anything that's not laser focused on Christ is not laser focused on Christ. And therefore, that's the wrong. It could be anything that's not laser-focused on Christ. So if you're not preaching the gospel, if you're not preaching what the Bible says, if you're not calling people to repentance, if you're not preaching what they need to do for salvation, you're not focused on what's true. And this is the standard. It's the Bible, what the Bible says. But this right here, this presentation, there's elements of truth in it because the government is a corporation. But what they don't tell you is that all governments are always corporations. They have to be. They're always corporations. And so what this the subtext here is that you've had this Indiana Jones where they've where the godless commies have put in a corporation in place of a country. Look at that bottom left. It was a country and now a corporation. Negative. It's always been a corporation. It used to be God-honoring. Now it's not God-honoring. And even then, lower left, you've got kingdom versus corporation. Common God law. Okay, amen. God bless. I, I generally like that. Life, liberty, purpose, abundance. Well, yeah. Let, let's, let's recognize that God gives rights and that a faithful adherence to his word will get us stewarding what he gives us. That's where your rule of law comes from. Your rule of law comes from the recognition that God is the authority and he's the lawgiver. And what he says, we do. Period. You don't just get a free bouncy house and a lottery ticket just because you exist on the earth. You get the good things you have because God is that good. Period. And then in the bottom, you know it's really full of crap. Quantum pursuit of happiness. That's just, that's just, a, that's just fluff. That's just fluff. If I were to tell you, you know, ask you what quantum means, your brain like goes to PhDs and physics and like smart people and MIT and stuff. You don't know what that means. You don't know what that means. But yet they say it and they they correlate it to stuff that you like. And so now you hear quantum grammar, quantum grammar constructs. And so you're like, oh wow, that's what I like. And so that means it's good. But you've just fallen for the deception. You're not standing on the Bible. You believe something that you want, and because you want it, you haven't validated it with the scripture. So now you're going along with a narrative that is unfounded, not true, and now you are being deceived. And this whole process 
is a presentation of false light. It's not true. You are not your greatest power. Your greatest power is not choice. Your, your greatest power, your greatest power is the faith that you have in Christ. And it's through your faith that you walk. And that, that faith is by hearing the word of God. And so there's a lot of people who believe a lot of stuff that is not true. And they believe these things because they want to believe these things. And as the idol that is terrorizing, that is oppressing, that is bringing about a lot of evil, that is true. But recognize that Satan is not so stupid that he's going to do a bunch of overt evil and at the same time slip in the alternative so that whenever you run away from what's obvious, obviously bad, you fall into his snare. He don't care about anything except for not God. Just disobey God. Doubt God. That's all he wants. Just doubt him. Just doubt God and he's good. Now, I believe because Satan's a murderer and he's a father of lies, he's, he, he enjoys all the lies and the deceit and the murder. But if you see the lies and the deceit and the murder and you're becoming aware, the great awakening, you're becoming aware to all this stuff and, you're refer and your first response is not Bible, you're deceived. If your first response is not what Jesus says, you're deceived. So if you're learning about the corporation, if you're learning about the 1871 Organics Act, and I, I'm guilty of this too. I did podcasts on the 1871 Organic Acts whenever I was learning about it because I didn't know about this stuff. But now I know what the fundamentals are. Now I know what the Bible says. Now I know what the founding fathers who were Christians who believed the Bible, whenever they laid down the Constitution, they said what they meant when they wrote what they wrote. And so go back to read what they meant whenever they wrote what they wrote. And what it means is pointing to the Bible for the glory of Jesus. And it's not this enlightenment. It's not Freemasonry. It's not this Illuminati. It's not this, uh, you know, cabal, Talmudic, you know, system. These were Christians who loved Jesus and wanted to build a nation on Christ. And they dedicated it to him. Period. They had their faults and their sins and their backgrounds and their baggage. Amen. Just like all of us. But for people to conflate what's happening and with what's happened, you need to get back to the Bible. And I, 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 and I, and I, and I say this the way that I say it because there's so many people who say that they claim Christ and are nice. And as they do this, they don't have the discipline to actually read the Bible before they read anything else. It is that simple. It's that simple. I hope that makes sense. I think that there is a lot we can learn by understanding and learning the fundamental law. But it begins with the Bible. If you don't if you don't love God, if you don't have his wisdom, if you're not humbly seeking him, and if you don't give him the glory, you're not going to get his wisdom. You might get benefit just because he's that good. He's that good and he the rain falls on the wicked and the righteous because God is good. But in this time of deception and tyranny, you need the discipline. The discipline to have in your hearts that whenever you see our, our current system. When you, when you see this type of graphic, when you see this type of graphic, you need to have the discipline to say, what does the Bible say about this?
And if you think that's stupid, then you are deceived. If you think that's stupid, that is itself programming that has diminished the influence of the Bible. If you say, well, the Bible doesn't influence politics or government, you're a moron. You're stupid. And in your moronic stupidity, you're going to criticize and insult people who do look to the Bibles. And whenever you are under oppression and when you are bad things are happening to you, you will see these Christians faithfully, quietly obeying God, living fruitful lives despite the storm and the chaos. And you're going to know, you're going to ask the question, how? How is that possible? And it's because God's providing for them. God is conquering for them. They have cleaved to the dirt because their heart is for him. And so whenever they go to war, he is with their armies. And they are conquering because they're with God. And God is with him, with them. Jaron, the government's a corporation. You're a moron. It's always been a corporation. It will always be a corporation. Always. Hope that makes sense. Folks, believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I spoke to it. The, the, the need to be devoted to the word, to be disciplined in what the Bible says, it's the most fundamental thing you can do. The most fundamental thing you can do. And that means that you are a sinner. I am a sinner. Jesus Christ came virgin born. He lived a perfect, flawless, sinless life. He did that because he is God. He did it to show us the way. And when Jesus says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, understand that that is one of the most, I believe, one of the most powerful statements ever. Because he says he is the way. Which, think about this. He is, the, the, the way could mean multiple things, but it's, he is the way. So there's not multiple ways. There is one way, but that one way has so many, like, applications. He is the way to salvation. He is the way we should live. He is the way we should think. He is the way we should treat people. He is the way that we should die. He is the way that we should do all of our things. He is the way. He is the truth, which means truth exists and it is co-located with him. He is the embodiment of truth, which means if you want to know anything that is true, if you want to know truth in any regard and you don't begin with Jesus, you're already beginning with not truth. So however many people saying that they're truth tellers, or he says the truth, tell me what your truth is. If that answer don't begin and ground on Jesus, it ain't true, period. Because if you say that you have a truth that doesn't begin with Jesus, then you're calling Jesus a liar. I'm not going to call Jesus a liar. And now he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Which means if you are not with Christ, then you're not alive. And that's where the wisdom really starts to condemn the worldly. Because the worldly people would say, well, you're stupid, Christian, because I'm physically alive, so obviously I can't be dead because I'm not in Christ. Who cares about your stupid Jesus? When, when they say that, their heart is so hard and they're so proud that they don't want to give up their sin because they love their sin more than Jesus. Because if you say you have to believe in Jesus, it means whatever sin is preventing you from believing the gospel is what you value more than Christ. It means you value not Christ more than Christ. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one gets to God but through me, it's a profound statement. 
The gospel is that his death on the cross for the salvation of your sins, his blood washes away your sins, his burial, he was dead. He literally physically died. They put him in the ground. They put him in the tomb. And then he physically rose from the grave. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The response to that, you hear that message. The response to that message matters. It matters. If you don't believe it, it does you no good. If you don't believe it and you hear it, it actually makes it worse for you because now you've heard what the truth is and you've rejected it. So now you're more accountable and that's going to be really bad. You need to repent, which means to turn away from your sin. You need to believe Jesus died for your sin, that he physically rose from the grave. You need to be baptized in his name, not as a thing to check the block so that you can get into heaven, but as, look, I obeyed him. He tells me to do it. I obey him. When, when, the, when the king gives a command, you obey. And then there will be people that will say, well, what about the thief on the cross? He wasn't baptized. Okay, well, that's the king doing stuff. But what does the king say? What does the king command? Do, do you have the opportunity to be baptized? Yes, then you need to do it because he tells you to. Period. Period. Well, Jaron, that's not what the doctrine says. In the now, now you're just getting smart. Now you are just getting smart than the plain letters of the Bible. And, and, you know, we can disagree on stuff, but that's also why I don't use seminary positioning. I don't use academification whenever I speak about the Bible. I see what the Bible says. Believe the gospel. And whenever you believe, you will behave as though you believe it because your obedience tracks with your faith. You can't separate those two. People will say, well, if you do anything, that's a work. Show me in the Bible where baptism is ever a work. Show me where it's ever characterized as a work. People read so much into the Bible when the Bible is just very clear. But the essence is the gospel. If you don't believe the gospel, then all of these ideas are secondary, which is also something weird. It's like, why do people focus so much on all the technicalities? It's like, did you hear the king talk? Yeah, no, I heard him. He, he said to go be back. Okay, well then we're just not going to do it because, well, because if you do it, then that means you have to do it. Okay, now, could you imagine staying in front of the king and he says, go do something. And you're like, well, but what did you mean by all the stuff? Because are you actually imputing your righteousness whenever they believe? Are you going to do it whenever they water baptize? Like, what? how are you doing? So it's like, dude, you are way too smart for this wisdom. Your intelligence is blocking the wisdom. If your heart is for Christ, you'll do what he says. It's that simple. Believe the gospel. Appreciate your time. Uh, best way to help me is at the patriotswitch.com. It's the win, win, win option. The first win is that you get American-made products, direct product purchase right to your home, price competitive, no harmful industrial chemicals. The second win is that you're taking money away from the globalists and you're putting it into an American manufacturing company. And the third win is that you help Jaren support his work, support my family, the ministry, all this other kind of stuff. There are other links below to help me. Uh, we're getting coffee back up. Coffee's been down for a bit. Um, so wait on that. <laughs> Appreciate your time. Let me know if this is uh, if this was useful. Let me know in the comments. Appreciate your time. Share the content. I, I haven't asked that. You know, um, I need I need to think about how to do like smaller stuff to package it better to for people. But please do me a favor and and share the stuff. I have links in the description. This is the common law materials at commonlawpeople.com. That right there. 
um, you know, get lawful elections, Operation Josiah, the Red Barn presentation. Just watch that. Show those to people and tell people, hey, here's what's going on. Educate your public servants, training the trustees. There are videos designed for people to understand kind of basics that they haven't been taught. And I think that's useful. Anyway, appreciate your time, Lord willing. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, please pray for my father-in-law. He's having his cancer surgery on Friday. Uh, we want all of that to be gone because we hate cancer and it sucks. Anyway, uh, Lord willing, we'll be back on tomorrow. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Don't quit. Go to war.